0: Welcome to another FACT Podcast. I'm Dr. Fred Clary, founder of Functional Analysis Chiropractic Technique. And today we're going to be looking at the gluten hysteria, the gluten-free movement, gluten sensitive, gluten, gluten, gluten is evil, gluten the demon. And I want to take a more uh, practical approach to it, Um, I've been working with the public and personal training and physical therapy people really ill and as a chiropractor for over 30 years if you combine all those i've seen what the best of diet intervention changing in diets modification to your food intake can do not just as a healthcare professional but also in my observation as a world-class athlete as a powerlifter, and working with bodybuilders Um, since I was a teenager, bodybuilders can lift weights. They put on the most muscle and they also lose body fat by choice, by what they eat and how they train. But a lot of bodybuilding getting down to two, 3% body fat and having an 18 inch muscular arm is a lot of that is 100% dietary manipulation, food intake manipulation. And I've seen, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, Um, what works what doesn't I've seen a lot of fad diets come out for a while it was let's let's go high protein high fat low carbohydrate the Atkins diet the ketogenic diet the protein rich diet I've seen balanced diets like the zone, you know, 30, 30, 40. You, you try to balance out the percentages of everything you've eat. I've seen, you know, more common sense approaches like the Mediterranean diet. Eat more protein, more healthy fats, a lot of uh, fiber and salads. So I've seen a lot of these things and how they affect health. And I want to be quite honest with you. Sometimes food is not going to save you. And I realize this is controversial but this is just scientific observation. I've worked with thousands of patients in my 29 years of being a chiropractor. I've instructed or taught hundreds of chiropractors, and some medical doctors and physical therapists in my role as a continuing education um, teacher and lecturer and professor, and teaching neurology at the postgraduate level and as a consultant I'm a clinical consultant so I get the toughest conditions the cuff the toughest cases sent to me from all over this nation sometimes this world even Australia so these cases come to me for me to figure out what's going on so I can give the primary treating uh, doctor some uh, hints clues on how to help the patient so I've I've heard a lot of the the miracles of, say, a gluten-free diet, a big free-from diet, and a lot of it's like, wow, maybe it is a miracle, and I've seen blood tests and food sensitivity blood tests that have helped, and there's just a big confusion out there, and I want to bring some functionality, some science to it, and let's look at the whole picture. You know, what is gluten? Gluten is that gluey protein that's on wheat that gives it some flexibility and it's naturally part of the the wheat. Um, it's been naturally part of it for the 10,000 years we've been cultivating and eating it and now all of a sudden in, in the last 20, 30 years, it's terrible for us or are we eating the same wheat? The paleo or legacy people would say this is different wheat. It's been changed. It's genetically modified okay we, we we don't see people dropping like flies so you know is it really the same thing and i, I wanted to take a big step back and just look at this whole gluten issue um where do we get started well let's just be honest and uh, throw out the disclaimer um this podcast is just for information purposes only. If you have a gluten intolerance or some type of issue, go see your medical doctor, your osteopath, your chiropractor, your nurse practitioner, your physician's assistant, your certified midwife. Go see someone. If your physiology is jacked up and you got symptoms, go see someone. Stay away from Dr. Google. This is just for information purposes only. Take care of yourself and get a coach. Now that I've said that, Let's look at, you know, where did this come from? Well, after World War II, there was a a Dutch uh, um, physician, pediatrician, who was working with a bunch of kids who have celiac. 1% of the world has celiac. That is where you're really gluten intolerant. You have an allergic reaction in your intestines to the protein on wheat called gluten, and it can make you very, very ill and sick. But that's, you know, less than 1% of the population, 1 in 100. still high, so it does exist, but it's less than 1% of the population. So knowing that, he was working with some kids who had some type of illness, diarrhea, gas. They, they were skinny, they were bloating, and he could physically see the bloat. And he knew it was something they were eating. And he figured out that, um, in the 1940s, I think it was 1947, um, right after World War II, there was a bad winter in Holland. It was, they called it the winter of starvation, I think is the moniker. And wheat was not readily available. It was not around. You could not get a good piece of bread or a donut, you know, there. And people were starving. And he knows the only people who were doing well were his celiac patients because they weren't eating wheat. So this, this winter wheat in Holland in the late 1940s after World War II led this uh this dutch pediatrician to write a little scientific article it was researched and later they found out it was the gluten in the wheat these kids were having a reaction to and the diagnosis of celiac or gluten intolerance was born now knowing that a lot of uh, health nuts went crazy in the next few decades saying gluten was responsible for all these negative things and i want to step back and really look at that a little bit um what happened just even most recently um and under 10 years ago you had a cardiologist write a book called the wheat belly and he blamed every cardiac and cardiovascular disease to the autoimmune immune system reaction to gluten and then a neurologist wrote a book called uh what's it called grain brain i think and he blamed everything up to schizophrenia with um the intake of gluten gluten was you know the reason the demon for everything well maybe maybe not I wanted to step back and I said you know why why would we why would that possibly happen if you follow the rules of biology which is what adaptation through natural selection we call evolution we would adapt out or select out, it's called select four, if you, you're following me in the scientific circles, you would select four and get rid of those people in the gene pool that couldn't process wheat if it was available all the time. If wheat was one of our food sources and most of us could digest it, the ones who couldn't couldn't procreate. So, I mean, that's just, that's just natural selection. So it didn't make sense to me. I take a step back, try to apply a little bit of science and say, okay, I've, in my practice, I've had miracle cases of people who've gone gluten-free and I mean miracles. And I've also had people that I know diligently went gluten-free or wheat-free or something free and they got no change. And sometimes they got worse. And I want to be honest, most of the time it was five, 10, 20% worse afterwards now a lot of people in the healing circles including chiropractic call, oh you're retracing you're detoxing really they've been detoxing for six flipping months that makes no sense to me at all so of course i just asked the question are we eating the same bread is the gluten the same well the gluten looks the same but our bread products our bakery products are a little different back in the day we used to ferment you know the bread had to rise overnight 15, 16 hours was the usual that great-grandma would tell you to let the bread rise. Now we use more yeast. That's also an allergen. And we try to get bread to rise or ferment or rise in two hours. Now, we don't know if that totally breaks down the gluten, but we know that's not 16 hours. Two hours is not 16 hours. So in industrial bakeries, even in the bakery on your corner shop, The the bread is coming up fast, even at, you know, your local um, sub sandwich making, you know, fast food that says it's healthy. That bread isn't there for a day rising. Okay, they're adding additives, which weren't there 100 years ago. We're adding different ingredients. And if you really dig into this and we don't have time for it in this podcast, but we've we've added 27, at least 27 different additives, emulsifiers, Enzymes that speed up the the fermentation process of the dough so it can be used, it can be baked into bread. Now, maybe it's not just the gluten. Maybe it's one of these 27 different additives that are added in most bakeries around the world, unless it's a very heirloom legacy bakery, you know, to speed up production. Now, that's something to think about, you know, because I know people who have gone gluten-free and they feel better. Well, of course they do because they're avoiding, you know, dozens of other things that are found in that industrial baked product. And I know people who've gone to gluten-free and gone to these very expensive organic, natural, quote-unquote, supermarkets, and they've eaten all the gluten-free things they could buy, and they still feel pretty sick. And they say, oh, I must have, you know, this gluten intolerance, this non-celiac gluten sensitivity. I must have bad non-celiac gluten sensitivity, really bad. I got it bad. Or maybe it's one of the emulsifiers because some of these breads, you know, you look at these loaves of bread, yank it off the shelf, even though it says gluten-free, made with rice or made something, there's an emulsifier in there. Now, emulsifiers are used as an additive to spread things out, it makes it look better, Um, it helps move some of the nutrients around, and it just makes for a more stable shelf life of the individual item. Even though it's going to go bad in a couple days, it makes it last a few more hours at least. Well, and I'm being tongue-in-cheek. But if you look at some of these emulsifiers, we know there's plenty of research that a lot of these emulsifiers destroy your intestinal biome, meaning all your friendly bacteria get wrecked. So, you know, if you want to, you can either, you know, take an emulsifier, take an antibiotic if you want to wreck your gut. So you're wrecking your gut. So maybe by people who are very sensitive to emulsifiers, we're all different. Say your gene, gene line, your genetic makeup is a is very sensitive to emulsifiers. When you eat something with an emulsifier, it wrecks your biome. Heck, your neurotransmitters can be messed up. So someone feels tired and crabby and not happy. They remove the thing wrecking their gut. Their neurotransmitter, you know, the serotonin specifically, but other healthy uh, neurotransmitters get balanced out because their gut's healthy. Guess what? I feel better. I feel great. Well, of course you do. You're not taking a poison in. For you, it's a poison. Some people can have those emulsifiers and they're fine. That's called genetic differences. Now, a lot of bakeries and a lot of industrial bake complexes, they add back gluten because it helps it, the shelf life. It helps the taste and you know the thickness of it. So what do they call it? They call it wheat protein. So if you look at, you know, this, you're saying, oh, you know, they added back wheat protein. It doesn't say they put something in called vital gluten. I don't know what's so vital about it. It's vital to their bottom line of making money. But they basically put more gluten back in. So, you know, in summary, we're getting more gluten in our baked products. There's more additives and emulsifiers to make it last longer on the shelf, This is not great-grandma's wheat, okay? And I haven't even covered the pesticides and herbicides used on wheat. You know, maybe that person has a sensitivity to, you know, certain uh, pesticides or herbicides that are used, and they're constantly getting um, hammered with a certain level of these uh, pesticides and herbicides. So what does that mean? Well, let's just look at it. What does that mean? That means for them... They do feel better when they start avoiding a lot of these products. They go to heirloom, um, legacy natural type bakeries where, you know, the grains they're using or the rice or, or the almond flour or whatever is raised in a a more organic way. And they're feeling better because maybe they're not getting that poison for them. Now there's poisons in general for every human. And then there's poison specific to the individual human due to your DNA. What does that mean? Some people can't be stung by a bee. They have an anaphylactic reaction, peanut butter, shellfish. You don't want to get that person's highly reacted to that antigen. Okay. So for them, that would be a poison would be dangerous. that That's an individual specific poison as opposed to arsenic, which is poison for all humans and mammals. So, So what does that mean? Well, maybe one of those dozens and dozens of additives, over 27 different additives added back to some of this industrial bakery products. Maybe one of those is what you're really sensitive to. Because if you look at the wide range of things they blame gluten for, fibromyalgia, schizophrenia, migraines, indigestion, this itis, this disease... And I'm not saying it doesn't do that. But what I'm saying is, how can it cause these 30, 40 different symptoms? Or maybe we're looking at 30 or 40 different sensitivities. And because gluten is a common denominator in where this food product comes from, we're going to blame the biggest guy just watching some football, and I noticed uh, there was a big, big battle on the field um, between two, two members of opposite teams. And, of course, they threw a flag, and all the reaction was to the guy who fought back. You never see the one who really caused the fight. Now, thank God they have seven or eight cameras, you can see it, but the referee didn't see it. And maybe gluten's the same way. Maybe gluten does have a problem because we're adding more gluten back. And we're not made to digest all that gluten. It's supposed to be broken down by the fermentation process, which is supposed to take more than overnight. But maybe it's one of these other additives. And maybe because gluten causes 30 or 40 different diseases or conditions, maybe we're really looking at 30 or 40 different sensitivities and gluten is getting blamed for all of it. Yeah, you don't want to eat a lot of gluten, especially if they add it back. Start looking for heirloom stuff, more natural, paleo if you want wheat. Go back to what wheat, the type of wheat we had a long time ago, if you can find it. But scientifically, I want to know why people who follow the gluten-free diet or a gluten-reduced diet, that's tongue-in-cheek, why someone who follows that doesn't get better because if that's the problem and you remove it they should get better and if they don't get better it's not limitations of matter it's not oh we've preset something in the diet maybe changing your food won't save you maybe understanding and diagnosing what additives or foods that you react to is more functional and more practical Maybe we need to stop blowing up and blaming the person, you know, that looks the most obvious and be like Sherlock Holmes and discover the real cause for your symptoms or your problems and stop just blaming gluten. Let's investigate and realize that health and wellness can be a lot more complicated. This is Dr. Fred Clary and thank you for listening to another FACT podcast.